Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it bring it to the bring Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello, my name is Thomas Nygren. I write about Liverpool for a Swedish website called lscsv.se. Hi, I'm Russ Goldman, host of Cottage Talk, and I do a podcast about Fulham Football Club. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Smith. I'm here to talk about Burnley. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. Uh, We're going to start off with what I'm sure will be the dominating topic both tomorrow and and throughout this whole week, uh, which is the recent updates around a potential European Super League. Now, obviously, we've heard about all of this stuff before in the past. You talk about it on one show, it comes up two or three times a season and you just keep moving. This one, to me, feels like it has a bit more um, weight to it, but certainly curious to get it, if that's how you guys are feeling about it as well. Basically, the short version is that there have reportedly been principal agreements made with clubs throughout Europe, with the English ones being Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal, and Manchester City, to join this European Super League, which would replace their European involvement in the UEFA competitions, the Champions League, the Europa League, and what was going to be the Conference League. <laughs> well, I suppose it's still going to exist. Um but this has caused a cascade of public statements from the Premier League saying it, it lacks sporting merit to UEFA saying that the clubs could be banned from European competitions. Players from those clubs could be banned from the Euros and other European competitions. Uh, even the FA have come out now talking about how it would need to be basically internationally compliant. Otherwise, maybe those clubs can't participate in domestic cups. So this is this is obviously a big nut to crack, but I guess I'll just start off with the easy question. Does this feel more concrete to you guys this time? And and what's the overall impact that this could have? Uh, well, uh, I do think that this is uh, a bit more serious than before. And uh, I have to say that the statement that I read made me a bit uh, almost uh, emotional because I've struggled watching football this season without the crowd in their in the arenas and the VHR system has taken away the emotions from the sport. And now, now this, it feels like, uh, it feels like uh, the Liverpool that I fell in love with is, is running away from me. And I'm, and I fear that this will be another step and it, it makes me sad, but in the end, it feels inevitable that we will end up with this one day because we've heard about it so many times. And if there is a way for the clubs to make more money, they tend to try to get it. As a supporter, I fear that, the money the owners have lost during the pandemic can make this league come earlier than it should have. And, and in the end, it is all about the money. I don't think there is a supporter out there who wants this to happen. But in the end, who cares what we want? The, the statements from the organizations shows that they are worried about this as well. And uh, I don't want any more games against Juventus and Real Madrid and Inter and Barcelona. I, I fell in love with English football. And I was hoping that financial fair play could make this league more even, but we've seen that the system doesn't work. And this would make the domestic leagues even more uneven. Not that there are even leagues now, but this would make it even worse. And I read somewhere that the clubs who decide to be a part of this can be forced to leave the domestic leagues. And if if that will happen, I think we will be a lot of supporters who walks out on our clubs. And what will happen to Premier League when the biggest clubs leave? Uh, to me, Liverpool is a football club, but uh, it feels more and more like it's a business. And I can't say anything else that it makes me sad because I want to be, I want Liverpool to be the best team in England. I don't care if they beat Barcelona and Real Madrid in some uh, new founded league. I want them to win the Premier League. And I want to, I want to travel to Liverpool and uh, take my daughter to Anfield in the future and show her what, uh, show her a team that has meant so much to me through the years. But I do wonder will that be left when the time is right? And uh, today, if these things are true, I'm ashamed to be a Liverpool supporter. 
that they even talk about these things during a season where the fans haven't been able to go to the stadiums. They should do everything in their power to prepare us to prepare to welcome us back, not to scare us away with these things. Um, and this, in a season where VAR has ruined a lot about a lot of the emotions, just when you thought that it couldn't get any worse, they released this. Uh, I hope that Liverpool release a statement soon and let us know what is going on. Because this is still speculations, but the club needs to show us fast the respect we deserve and at least tell us what is happening. And this is how, how I feel. And I, I live in Sweden. I watch Liverpool live maybe twice a year. So I can't imagine what it's like for the local supporters over in England. Well, I have some interesting thoughts on this. But before I go into that, Tomas, can I just ask you a question? A very basic question, and that'll lead to my thoughts on this. Sure. What title means the most to you? And that'll add, that'll mean everything to me. Uh, Premier League title. Exactly. Of exactly. Right. It's it's your domestic league. You want, you know, Liverpool have won so many things, and I'm using them as the example here. And I think if you asked a Liverpool supporter, they love the fact that they've won the Champions League. Obviously, as um, many times as they have. But it really was about winning the Premier League because it's about the Premier League. So for me, when I look at this, and again, I am with a club that will not sniff any of this in my lifetime. It, it, it won't. It won't. You know, and again, I was lucky enough to see Fulham get into the Europa League and get to a Europa League final. And then a couple of seasons later, get, get back into the Europa League, but not move forward. It's great. It's wonderful. But it's about the Premier League. It's about uh England it's about that competition and this is uh, just as Tomas just said it's about that one word money it's all about money do they care about what the fans think because I can't imagine that the fans would be on board on this I I you know again were they thought of it in this process or is it really just about money and and I'm glad that Tomas brought this up because when you think about it do you, as a Liverpool supporter, as a Tottenham supporter, are you more up for a game against Arsenal, Tottenham, obviously a derby, Liverpool, Everton, or Liverpool against Juventus and, say, Tottenham versus Real Madrid? Which is more important to you? And I'm sure it's going to be the team that, you know, that you have the rivalry with because it's about that league. It's about the teams in England, and this to me would be a huge mistake. It would be a, a tremendous mistake by these six teams if they do this. And, you know, I'm just curious if they've factored in what the fans might want, because I don't think they have. So I hope that this doesn't go through. But as because we're talking about it, it does seem very real. And uh, as a foam supporter, I don't really have a stake in this. But I'm a football supporter, too. I don't want to see this happen. Yeah, I think the guys have spoke really well on, on this already. Um, obviously, we're waiting for official words to come out, but it, it does seem more real this time. I think the timing of it is very interesting. Obviously, we've had a year of of on and off lockdowns and no fans in stadiums and all that sort of thing. and. Um, I believe Champions League reform is supposed to be confirmed in the coming days as well. So it, it, it's clearly not accidental that, that this is coming up now as something to replace the Champions League. I think the difference between in the past, as, as Kev said earlier on, this, this topic comes up all the time. The difference this time seems to me that there's a broadcaster attached in the zone, which is um, a, a, an upstart company, really, I'm sure... Um, some people won't have even heard of it. I actually used to work for a company that was part of the same group as Dazon before they, they split off. Um, so I'm probably more familiar with it than most, but they have big ambitions. They've talked about wanting to be the Netflix of sports. Um, remember when everything had to be the Netflix of something, they wanted to be the Netflix of sports. So um, they're apparently on board with this. Um but at the same time, I think the timing is really egregious. We've we've had 12 months of not being able to go and watch our teams, and now we're being told that the biggest clubs don't want to be part of the, the Premier League anymore, essentially. It's been made very clear that 
if they want to go and play in a, a European Super League, or as I'm insisting on calling it, a Euro Super Duper Super League, then they're not going to be able to play in the domestic <laughs> league. It's just not going to be able to be possible. So for for Liverpool, for example, as, as Thomas was saying, to say all this history, our history in the Premier League, it is essentially meaningless. Everything that we had last season of Liverpool winning their first title of the Premier League era, all the emotion that came with that, it's meaningless because they don't want to be in the Premier League anymore. They want to chase the money and go and play in this Euro League. Um, and, and Russ is right. I, fans aren't that bothered about seeing Liverpool against Juventus or whatever. When those games happen in the Champions League, they're special because they're rare. They happen every now and again. And because they were like, earned. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And you have to fight for the right to play those games. If you're playing the same teams two, three times a year, it's not going to be that interesting anymore. I assume it, it would also be a precursor to playing these games in America or in China or in Qatar or in Saudi Arabia or wherever's got the most money. So are Liverpool fans even going to have the chance to watch these games in person if they wanted to? We've seen in the last year that football can sustain itself sort of without supporters, but surely one of the key selling points of the Premier League has always been the passion of the supporters. Um, and if the supporters aren't on board with this, I, I don't. it seems a bit of a non-starter to me. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a funny one. I think a lot's been said. The reaction from the leagues has been unanimous that they're against it. Footballing bodies like the FA, the same in Germany, they're all against it. It's quite interesting that Bayern and Dortmund turned down the invitation. Um, Both technically fan-owned. Yep, exactly. Um, I think there would have been a, a lot of blowback in Germany. The fans just don't stand for this kind of nonsense. So it's really interesting that they said no. PSG, um, there's mixed reports on whether or not they were invited and turned it down or weren't invited at all, which is quite funny, if that's true, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, I think this has probably been on the cards for a while. I think Russ is exactly right. It's, it's just about money. There's no, there's no sporting merit behind the idea whatsoever, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you mentioned PSG there, and uh, uh, they're obviously very heavily linked to the Qatari royal family through their ownership, and they own the Champions League rights. So, very uh, decent reason there why PSG wouldn't want to be involved or or put their weight behind something that I think could. Uh, mess with their own money to your point about it all being about money uh from from the tottenham side i know we were we were talking to thomas about what mattered to him on the tottenham side i think for daniel levy and potentially even joe lewis who typically doesn't really do anything with the club but technically owns enoch which owns it um i think this is all about being a big club everything the last few years has been about that the new training uh, ground the new stadium the hiring of Jose Mourinho the bringing back of Gareth Bale all of this was to like appear air quotes big and I think we're learning that that ambition we thought was to kind of be a natural growth process from one of the contenders that's always outside that top four fighting for it to regularly being in the top four to trying to fight for uh, titles obviously Mauricio Pochettino a very big part of that and I think this is Levy's way of just being like no, no, no. Success doesn't have anything to do with what happens on the pitch. Success is all about the finances and us being able to finally compete on that stage with these other big clubs. But Jamie, you and I were DMing earlier, isn't Tottenham just the worst or second worst team that's going to be in this? Like, what's yeah, the I incentive mean, um, there? Just to, to jump in, how many league titles has Spurs won? Two, right? Mm. That's the same number as Burnley and one fewer than Huddersfield Town. So. On what grounds are Tottenham involved in this anyway? Because on we're financially in the big six right now. Yes, and that's what exactly. it's all about. On what grounds? On what sporting grounds are Arsenal involved in this? They finished what eighth last season. They're yeah, currently even in This season, so yeah, I'm sure Spurs and Arsenal would make a lot of money from this, but are they not just going to be the two worst teams in the competition and fighting to avoid coming last? Yeah, I mean it's it's absolutely possible. It, it's it's uh, really embarrassing as a fan of one of these clubs that's involved in it. And I think what's even more embarrassing is I totally see why 
Daniel Levy is one of the people kind of pushing for this and backing it. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about how it feels way more solid. Not only are we hearing about potential broadcasters and stuff like that, but there's also already been a report. Again, more news will come out after we record this, I'm sure. But there's already been a report about what the executive team is made up of with Florentino Perez as chairman, Stan Kroenke as vice chairman, Andrea Agnelli also as vice chairman. Like, we have the leadership structure. We know where the money's coming from with J.P. Morgan. We know who might be broadcasting all of it. Like, this just feels very, very concrete, and I think that is very frustrating and troubling. Um, Obviously, as a Premier League show, what do you guys think would happen? Because there's a thousand things we could talk about, but uh, what do you think would happen to the Premier League if indeed... These six are kicked out because currently the discussion is without the Premier League approving these clubs from being allowed to join the Super League, that they would basically be voiding their ability to play in the Premier League itself. Uh, well, uh, it's hard to say. Of course, um, the interest from uh, other countries to watch the Premier League will uh, be uh, smaller because here in Sweden, these are the six teams that people are interested in. When you talk about Premier League, everybody supports Manchester United or Liverpool or Arsenal or Tottenham. So the, the Swedish TV companies will, of course, try to try to air the, the new league instead. And maybe maybe Premier League will drop some money. And uh, in the end, perhaps it will make the Premier League more like it was uh, before Premier League or in the start of Premier League, where people can afford to go to the matches mm. and... Uh, more, maybe more British players, uh, maybe a few more of the smaller teams get a chance to to play in the Premier League, and uh, maybe it would be more for the more for the local fans or and uh, less of the travelers for such people as uh, as me. I travel to Liverpool to watch a few games each season, but I know that there are people around in Liverpool who can't afford to watch the games. So maybe it would be a chance for them to to win back their stadiums from us tourists. But um, if if these six teams leave Premier League, it will be it will be a, a very different league to watch for sure. It's interesting because while you guys are talking about this, I'm thinking, well, hey, maybe my team will be in the league again. Yeah, do you get to stay up? Like, <laughs> I get do I get to stay in the league now? Because Fulham are probably getting relegated, and uh, we'll obviously talk a little bit about that later. But it's interesting. Uh, but it, it, it won't be the same. These are, are the traditional powers in, in football in England. You know, I know Man City is, is new to this, but they are now part of this. And uh, it, it just it wouldn't be right. But if you're talking about the effect of what the Premier League would look like, it would look like the NFL. And uh, what I mean is that Everything or the championship where everything would be more even. It would be more even, but that doesn't mean that it would be better because you would be without six clubs that are your best teams in your country. For me, it would not be good for anyone if these six teams were not part of a Premier League. It, it, it would not at all because I think you need these teams. Even though they win everything, you need these teams because – you want to play against the best. Fulham want to play against the best, okay? They would want, you know, and again, I, I, I shouldn't speak for the ownership of Fulham, and, and I don't, but I would think that they would still want these teams in it because you want to play against the best. And I think everyone benefits from having these teams in the league. Is it hard on smaller teams like mine? Yes. But in the end, it's beneficial for a team like mine or a team like Burnley to have these six teams. You take rid of these six teams, it's not a Premier League anymore. It's really just, just um, it would be going back to first division. That's what it would be without six teams that are dominant. It just wouldn't be right. You shouldn't call it the Premier League anymore because it wouldn't be Premier. I think I've got a slightly different view on this, and I'm not sure why that is, but part of me kind of thinks if, if these clubs want to go, let them. Just let them go. Um, and I, I agree with Russ, it would leave the league more even as a result. And I think more competitiveness would be a good thing in a way. Obviously, there'd be less global interest in the Premier League, I think it's fair to say, if those clubs went. I think we're obviously talking about a hypothetical situation. But if if FIFA was to stand firm and say that players who join this European Super Duper Super League 
were therefore ineligible to play in the World Cup, and if UEFA said the same for the Euros, then it's quite interesting if the biggest players actually want to play in this new league, or if they decide they'd rather keep their international hopes alive. Some players who've won the World Cup already might not be bothered, but others might might think twice. So I think there's a, there's a lot still to shake out. Um, but speaking from a Burnley perspective, I, th- I think it would almost be a, a good thing. A lot of people think when, when smaller clubs like Burnley get into the Premier League that they live for these days against the big boys. But Burnley's been in the Premier League a while now. We've had, what, five seasons in the last eight or something off the top of my head? Mm. We've played them all. I think, stop me if I'm wrong, I think we've beaten them all. So, I don't know. Like We played Manchester United today, right? And we've played them every season for the last four years. And we'd not lost to Old Trafford for the last three or four years. So, is it that exciting to watch us play at Old Trafford? Anymore? I think the magic of that has sort of worn off a bit. The sheen has gone. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure the players would still like to play against the top players and the top teams and score the winner at Anfield or beat the champions. But yeah, I think in a way it would be a better thing if clubs like Burnley had more of a shot, if everything was a bit more of a, a level playing field, if the the richest club in the league becomes Everton. I think mm. it would be more interesting in a way. Yeah, certainly an interesting point. And the competitive... Or would it be rewarding without those teams, Jamie? Well, it's it's still a league. I mean, you could say that it's an asterisk. If, if, say, something mad happened and Burnley did win the Premier League without right. these six teams, is it less of a title? You could argue that, but we've still beaten everyone who's in that league. We've still earned that title. Well, I happen to like the championship. I'm going to say that right now, even though Fulham are going back to the championship. <laughs> Fantastic but, league. Fantastic. As long as you can get out of it. Fantastic. Yeah, it, it, it is. <laughs> and and honestly, Jamie, I think that it would turn into a version of the championship, a, a higher-end version of the championship, where it's even, like I said, that's why I was using the NFL comparison. Every team would have a chance. And uh, I see your point in that. I, I just... I just think that it would be wrong without these six teams. Hmm. The thought that I was having was um, for years, we've talked about how there is so much influence by money in the Premier League, because right now the Premier League and UEFA look like good guys because someone's managed to out villain them. But there were obviously already inherent issues. And I was thinking back to when um, Germany started to institute some of their uh, squad rules and ownership rules that basically led them to having a dominant national team. I was thinking, if you're in the Super League and you aren't allowed to play at international competition, that means that the clubs that are remaining in the Premier League could develop more of their own players. Like we were talking about before, maybe ticket prices go down because you're missing the elite competition, so going becomes more viable for a larger swath of the population. This is, like, large-scale, a really big problem, but I think there is a way that this could actually benefit normal match-going fans. It could benefit the FA and England's performance at high-level competitions, uh, obviously losing players like Kane and, and some of the other players that are at those big clubs, you're going to miss out on Phil Foden, Mason Mount, all those kind of like younger up-and-coming England players. That would obviously be a big knock, but it's possible that this could kind of be a healing force for English football to maybe mimic something that, that Germany did that led to them so much success. Thoughts? Am I, am I grasping at straws here? Uh, well, I, I think... Um... I think you may have a point, and it reminds me a bit about the Swedish football league that we have now, because uh, we don't have any stars in the Swedish football league, but uh, it costs about 200 crowns for 20 pounds to go and watch a game, so everybody everybody can go. And uh, there are the biggest teams in Sweden have 30 or 40 thousands uh, watching their games when it's a, a derby or a big game. So um, it's a bit, it's a huge interest around the Swedish league, but it's. Uh, if you want quality football, it's not the best, but uh, it's a league for the fans. And uh, maybe that is what the Premier League will turn into if uh, these this six teams leave, because uh, it will, of course, uh, change the economical situation for the teams. It's a very interesting way to look at that, Gavin. You know, talking about the fans, because, yes, in, in some ways the fans would benefit. And... Uh, 
you know, it would be, you know, like I said, it would be going back to a, a different time where, you know, so I, I understand that it just, it still just would feel wrong to me, you know, but fans would, you know, again, like I said, you know, what, what Jamie has said, it, 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 the teams, especially a team like Burnley, who honestly have earned to be in the Premier League and, and in some ways probably earn a right to contend for, you know, contend for a title at some point for their tenacity and playing against these big teams. And as he said, beating these big teams, this would be a benefit to them. So I understand where Jamie's coming from. I just think that overall, I think we would all suffer from a, a lesser Premier League. I think it's a fair argument that it could be a sort of a sort of reboot. I think one of the, the points that's been made on social media and stuff is that the Premier League was kind of a breakaway league, right? Yeah. Obviously, it wasn't quite the same because it was clubs that were there by merit rather than cherry-picked by who has the most money or whatever they've decided, the, the 12. Um but it, it was sort of similar that they set up a new league that then had the power. And the FA in this country now is completely toothless because the Premier League runs football in this country now. Um, so it, it sort of has happened before. And the Premier League's been going for, what, nearly 30 years now? I think we, most of us would agree that the formation of the Premier League has been good for football in this country. The standards have gone up. There's more money, so the players are better. The best foreign players have pretty much all played in the Premier League now. Um, so I'm sure at the time, I don't remember because I was like two, but I'm sure at the time that the Premier <laughs> League was set up, there was a lot of the same outcry, right? Like they'd have been calling it a cash grab and just uh, people being greedy. So in a way, you can't judge these things until a generation afterwards. But obviously we have to talk about it now. Um and the outcry has been ferocious, which kind of makes me wonder if the proposals might change somewhat. Like, remember remember Project Big Picture, right, mm-hmm. a few months ago? It's got that kind of vibe to me. Um, I think Rory Smith from the New York Times pointed this out on, on Twitter that Project Big Picture was this thing that Liverpool and Man United had apparently cooked up between them, and they were really, really excited about it, and this new idea that they had where they were going to get all the money and then it got reported and everyone went, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a terrible, stupid idea and you're all idiots. And about an hour later they went, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. <laughs> so um, it will be interesting to see if, if today's reaction has any impact whatsoever on what actually gets announced. Yeah, and you mentioning that it was the ownership groups of, of Manchester United and Liverpool that pushed for that, obviously, here as well. Um, Russ and I talk a lot about how there can be some anti-Americanism in football, especially in the Premier League. But I'm particularly not a fan of the fact that it continues to be American owners that push for this kind of thing. Obviously, an American bank that's the one bankrolling it. Yeah. It's it's It makes me really uncomfortable when something makes me be point. like, ooh, Americans' presence in football hasn't been super great, but I still feel like I deserve my spot. It's a it's a weird place to be. And just wrapping all this up, we, we opened up by talking about how it's about money. We, we can end it there as well. I think you guys make excellent points about what this does to fans and how fans weren't listened to because of this. Um, and, and how fans deserve something more after this year that we've all just had to go through of not being able to see our teams. But I do wonder if the reason this is accelerated and the reason this is happening now is this is clubs trying to make up for those lost finances that these big oh, clubs have seen drop in their share price or just the the amount of total money at the club, the the percentage of revenue dropping. And this is just a reaction of somebody's offering me a huge check at the time when I'm in the most in need of money, air quotes in need, of course. Um, and that that's what's really catalyzed all of this now. But anyway, that's like, absolutely right. And just to sorry to interrupt and jump back yeah. in, but look look at the Premier League table now, right? Where are Chelsea? Not in the top four. Where are Liverpool? Not in the top four. Where are Tottenham? Yep, they're not in the top Arsenal. Four. Where are Arsenal? They're not in the top four yeah. either. So it it seems a bit of a unusual circumstance that these things have come up when four of the traditional big six or whatever you want to call them aren't actually on track to qualify for the Champions League this season. 
And it's a similar story abroad because Juventus aren't even guaranteed to qualify for the Champions League next season. Yeah. They've won the league nine years in a row or something. AC so, Milan, probably not as well. Exactly. So it, it's partly finance, almost wholly financial, as we've talked about. Money's obviously a massive factor, but some of these clubs are not going to be in Champions League next season. So it seems like they've chosen this as their moment to do this. Yeah, make up for all that lost Champions League revenue that they would have lost moving forward, as well as making up what they've lost in the back. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like I said, we could talk about this forever, and there will be more details that come out. Um, so there will be conversations about this in the future, I'm sure. But hopefully that's that's enough to talk about it for now, and uh, we can move on to talking about actual football, a thing that we all tend to enjoy. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Sheffield United. Uh, obviously, this is the week that they have been relegated. Um Last year obviously went so well for them, flirted with the European spot for quite some time. Then they end up just not being able to live up to it. The the Chris Wilder situation was handled really oddly with, with them letting him go when they did after giving him such a large chunk of the season to turn things around. Uh, just curious from you guys, what did you make of them this year? What, what do you think went wrong after having such a good debut campaign last year? Well, uh, I think they overperformed season they took the league by surprise and uh, that was never the case this season uh, i haven't seen many of their games only the games when they played liverpool but i followed Rian brewster a bit because they signed him from us uh, before the season and paid a lot of money for him and uh, he has for sure not been the success that they hoped for and maybe that is uh, part of why they go down because they haven't scored too many goals and they mm. need the striker they paid a lot of money for a, a youngster who hadn't played in the premier league and uh, looking at it now, I think uh, they would have been better off with a more experienced player up front. Uh, Rian Brewster has been at the bench uh, in the past games. And uh, of course, that's, that's not what you want for a player that you pay. I don't, I don't recall how, many, how much it was, but maybe 25 million pounds or something, 250 million pounds. But uh, it, was, it was a lot of money. Uh, in the end, when you look at the squad, it's hard to be surprised that they are going down, really, because player by player, they are not better than any other team in the league. Uh, they should have tried to do everything in their power to keep Wilder. Uh, to me, he was the main reason for the success last season, and uh, the chances of getting back to the Premier League would have been a lot better if they had kept him. From what I've heard, the fans wanted him to stay, and I can understand why. Uh, with or without him, they have a good chance of bouncing back, of course, but it because if you look at the championship this season, uh, both Norwich and Watford is probably coming back. And uh, Bournemouth is uh, also in the fight for uh, getting back to the Premier League. So maybe we, can, we will have all three teams who were relegated last season back next season. And, um, and they did it in different ways. I mean, Norwich kept their manager and got back right away. Watford changed manager, manager every other month for a while. But they still got uh, back right away. The difference between Premier League and Championship is what we've talked about earlier, money. So uh, if you go down and you play your cards right, you still have a great opportunity to come back because you have another economical... Uh, you have, you a lot of, have a lot of more money than the other teams. So if you play your cards right, you can get back. But I think that Sheffield United would have a better chance of getting back if they had kept Chris Wilder. Tomas makes some really... Excellent points. And the first one I want to say, because I, I can relate to this, the reason why Sheffield United are, are going down, main reason is lack of goals. And I can attest to that with Fulham. It's the same reason. Fulham's defense is, is I, I won't say excellent, but it's pretty good. That's, you know, and two seasons ago, it was about the fact that they actually were just terrible. They're leaking goals left and right. Well, now they're stopping goals from going in, but they can't score. So you have to have a little bit of both. If you don't have a goal scorer, a proven goal scorer, and Fulham actually have one, but he's not playing that much for whatever reason. But in Sheffield United's situation, Tomas nailed it because it's a combination of not having the goals, but also the players because the players were playing above their weight. Let's just say what it is. And a lot of that has to do with playing together as a team. But... Chris Wilder ha had a lot to do with that as well. He's still the same manager. So, and I'll put, I'll bring Jamie into this because if you look at Deitch, they go down, they stick with Deitch and they come right back up and look at Burnley. 
I think Sheffield United made a huge error here of getting rid of Chris Wilder, who I think is a very good manager, and they should have done what they did, what Burnley did with Deitch. Just back your manager, you go down what Norch did, and you just back him, and then hopefully you come straight back up. And uh, I feel bad for Sheffield United because I actually have nothing against the club at all, but really it comes down to the lack of goals lack of talent, and why would you get rid of Chris Wilder? It it still baffles me to this moment. Yeah, um, I think me and Kev did a show where I made some arguments about Wilder, so I'm not going to repeat those over mm. and over, but I actually think that it was inevitable that he had to go the way he was talking about the club and the owners. He basically made his own position untenable, in my opinion. Um, so I'm not sure it's the same as, as a Norwich Burnley situation. Also, when those clubs were relegated, they had more than 14 points. So it's not the same as Sheffield United being down basically since the first month of the season. It's, it's a complete different situation, in my opinion. Um, I think injuries have been a, a key factor. You could probably argue that even if everyone was fit, then Sheffield United might find it hard, but... Jack O'Connell being out for almost the entire season has been a huge factor because he made their system work. Um, without O'Connell in that back line, the overlapping centre-backs thing that Sheffield United was so successful with as they came up through the leagues, it just doesn't work. They don't have other players that make that system work. Um, and I think that's partly a failure of, of Chris Wilder in that when the system was suddenly broken, he didn't have another plan. Sheffield United have continued playing the same way, the same shape all season. And you can say it's admirable in a way, and clubs like Bournemouth have been the same in that they've been committed to their style and their way of doing it. But when it's broken, you have to try something different. Sheffield United didn't do that. Um, so while I agree with the, the points being made about general lack of quality, you see some of the lads in their squad have been with them all the way up from League One. Um, I'm not saying they're League One players, but you look at their squad and how many of them are going to get bought by Premier League teams or European Super League teams next season. Probably not many of them. Mm. I would say none of them. I'd go that far. I don't think maybe there's any. Burger, but... Maybe he's been injured though, hasn't he? He's not really looked a fantastic Premier League player when he has been fit. So, yeah, I think that there is a lack of talent. I think the injury to O'Connell was big. They've had other injuries. I agree with Wilder's point that he made that the fans not being at Bramall Lane has had more of an impact for them than for some other clubs. I don't like this being used as an excuse because it is the same for all clubs, but I think they did feed off the energy of their crowd um, a lot. Um, I'm not saying other clubs don't have passionate fans, but I think the sort of synergy between team and fans was very, very close. Sheffield United and not having that has obviously had an impact um, but yeah whether or not they come back obviously depends on players they bring in players they leave the manager they get there's a lot to, to shake out there but I think it's it's an oversimplification for me to say they had a manager who brought them up stick with them he's going to bring them back it doesn't always work like that I'm sure there's plenty of examples where teams have been relegated they've continued to stink the place out and the managers had to be sacked anyway so just because Burnley and Norwich have come back doesn't mean it's guaranteed if you don't set your manager. Mm. Um, a couple of you guys have mentioned that the championship now, obviously, while they're not there, so they will have to try to make their uh, return to the Premier League without him. What, what do you think their chances are? Uh, I think they have a good chance of uh, getting back to the Premier League. I think they will, they will keep the biggest part of their team. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, the, the financial situation is... Uh, is good when you go down. If you if you manage to get up the first year, you can keep uh, you can keep your team, and uh, that should help them at least to get to the top six of the championship. Yeah, I tend to agree with Tomas here that I, I I think that they're in good position as you guys already talked about with the teams in the championship now who went down to the Premier League. Probably majority of them are coming straight back up. There is that financial advantage. Listen, Fulham have a uh, Benefited from that, and I think will benefit again when they go when they go back down the championship. I think they're going to have a great chance of coming right back up. It's just the way that the that uh, it is built for the uh, championship. Uh, you know, it's all about money. It's all about money, and uh, you know, 
so they will get their opportunity. And uh, like I said, I, I, I like Sheffield United as a club and I, and I wish them the best and hopefully my club will, uh, will do them next season. But I, I, I think they have a good chance of uh, coming straight back up. I, th- I think it depends a lot on, on the state of the squad. If they keep mainly the same group of players, then they've probably got a good chance. But it depends on the manager as well. I always think that you, you need a really good, canny manager. In the they team. might get Jukanovic. They, they might, and he's got promoted a couple of times and not actually had a crack in the in the Premier League. Is that right? No. <laughs> very, very strange situation, but he clearly knows how to get out of that league. So I think he would be a smart appointment. Um but I think the, the stability at Sheffield United is is potentially an issue. Obviously, like I say, I think Wilder had to, but losing the guy who's effectively run that club for five, six years, however long it was, losing him is a bigger impact than a lot of clubs losing their manager because Wilder had then built that club in his image. So they have to get the next appointment right. The chairman has also gone this weekend just before they got relegated. I'm sure, that's a coincidence. Um, and the owner seems like an absolute loose cannon. He was on TV here not that long after Wilder left, basically slagging Wilder off, saying that he'd lied, that he was leaking stuff. So any manager who's seen that is surely going to think twice about working for him because he does not seem like someone you would want to cross. Let me put it that way. Um, so all things considered, I, I would not be backing them to come back. Although, as Russ says, the financial advantages are absolutely clear if you get relegated. Yeah, yeah, I agree. They, they aren't a super talented team as they go down. I think I felt similarly about um, Bournemouth after they got stripped of everybody. They've obviously been the worst of the three that went down last year, but still, still not entirely out of the picture either. So, yeah, I think that financial advantage, even if you lose some of your players, or <laughs> to Jamie's point, they don't really have that many players to begin with. Um, if you still have that money, it still gives you the opportunity to bring in championship players. And obviously, like, Rion Brewster has basically been a non-factor in the Premier League campaign this year, even when he's gotten minutes, which hasn't been all the time. But we've seen what he can do in the championship. So maybe all of a sudden, some of those players that haven't quite lived up to, to what they did last year in the Premier League go back to the championship and then re- rediscover their their form there. Um, but yeah, we will take a, a quick break and then we'll be back with club-specific questions for each of our guests. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, and we are back. We'll start off with Thomas talking about Liverpool. Um, This has not been the best couple of weeks uh, as a Liverpool fan in what has not been the best year as a Liverpool fan after a couple of seasons that were probably pretty enjoyable for you. I certainly would not know as we were on the receiving end of some of that success. But uh, I was just curious how all of this fits into context. Uh, obviously, you still have a chance to make the top four, but out of every competition that could net you a trophy, is that a blow or is this all just kind of worth it because the year is kind of weird and, and you've kind of gotten the big two trophies already? Well, as you mentioned, it, it is, it's a very strange um, season. And I watched um, the game against the Madrid, of course, this week, and it didn't feel like you know, I was watching a Champions League quarterfinal. Uh, it's not the same without the people in the crowd. So if it... If there is a season where you miss out on the on the trophies, it's of course this season. But um, if we miss out on Champions League as well, miss top four, uh, it will have a big effect on uh, on the transfers this summer, I think, because we don't have uh, we don't have uh, a lot of money to sign the biggest players. Of course, we have a lot of money if you compare to to many other teams in the league. But if you want to compete with the uh, 
Manchester City and Chelsea, we need to sign players for the same, almost the same amount of money as they do. And I don't, I don't think that we can do that if we don't get into Champions League. And uh, maybe that will uh, make our situation for the next season a bit worse. But um, in the end, I think this season now is all about getting us back on the track because uh, we've looked really tired this season and uh, a lot of people, a lot of players have underperformed. We've seen uh, Sadio Mane in the last month so has looked miles from what he, what we're used to with him. And uh, of course, we played the whole season without Van Dijk and uh, that has made our defence look uh, very shaky. But we've seen uh, Alisson looked like uh, a lot worse goalkeeper than last season. Trent Alexander-Arnold hasn't been the same. So there are many players who have looked, uh, looked tired. And uh, it's hard to say why there is, uh, why we lacked so much energy. And uh, of course, we played a lot of football in the past and we've had many injuries, but uh, I think that uh, we need to look at our squad after this season and uh, see if we need to change a few things because Klopp has played with the same squad for a long while now and we haven't signed that many players in the past two years. Of course, we signed uh, Thiago and uh, Diego Jota for this season, but uh, they've been out for almost half the season, both of them. So they haven't made the impact that uh, I think that Klopp would have wanted. Uh, maybe it's uh, time to shake things up a bit in this squad. We probably we'll see Vinaldum leave and uh, a lot of the fringe players will probably leave and we we'll see new players coming in and maybe that is what we need because even if we finish fourth, this season is uh, a disappointment because we were favourites for the title when the season started and uh, we were among the favourites for Champions League title as well. Of course, we all know that when Van Dijk was injured, it changed a lot because he was uh, he was the most important player for this team and without him for the whole season, of course, it would have a big effect on how we play, but I don't think anyone would uh, think that we, for example, after winning almost every home game for two seasons, we lost five in a row. And um, of course, so, something was wrong at that time. But I, I think that Klopp has to work work things out at the end of the season. And if we finish fifth or sixth, if we finish in a way that we play like Liverpool Football Club again, and, and uh, you can bring the, the energy back in the players, I will feel comfortable for next season as well, because we all know what this team can do. Yeah, then obviously just a mild asterisk on <laughs> Liverpool's involvement in the Champions League next year if they finish top four <laughs> based on all the European Super League combos. And also there is still a way that um, all of these uh, teams vying for fourth don't actually get into the Champions League if both the Champions League and Europa League winners were from the Premier League. Um, the, the the Tottenham rule got rid of one being enough, but I think two might still be enough on paper. Um, as I said, we're, we're <laughs> quickly running out of time already because of the European Super League conversation. But uh, basically, two names are the ones being uh, cropped up for the Bayern Munich job if Hansi Flick is indeed allowed to leave, which he very vocally said he wants to, uh, to take the Germany job. Uh, are you concerned at all that, that Klopp will end up taking that Bayern Munich job? Uh, I might be a bit naive, but I'm not worried at all that uh, Klopp mm. will leave us. He, he, he was quite firm when the rumours came up about the German national team. And he said that he, his job was at Liverpool and he, tend to, he wanted to stay until his contract ends. And I trust Klopp and I hope, <laughs> and I, hope I can. Gotcha. Yeah, the other name being Julian Nagelsmann, uh, which is Tottenham's first choice to replace Mourinho. So it uh, could be a big swing here or the opposite. Uh, all right, uh, we'll come to you now, Russ, to talk a little bit about Fulham. Do we um, have to? <laughs> you know what? We're running out of time, so maybe not. But, no, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I guess we should address it. Obviously, two crushing last-minute goals uh, lead to the, the loss to Wolves and then the draw against Arsenal today. Um, six points off safety with one fewer game to play versus all the teams you're trying to chase. Is there still some remnant of, of, of hope or have these two last-minute goals just kind of crushed any any dreams of remaining in the Premier League this year? Well, there's always a chance, and I'll say that, but I ruled them out pretty much after the Leeds United match. I'm not going to change my mind on that because they're showing me why they're backing why I felt that way after that because they just don't have enough goals in them. 
and it continues to show itself. And today, you know, it's funny, you guys were just talking about Sheffield United. And in a way, Scott Parker is a lot of like Chris Wilder. Different systems, but we only play one way. Scott Parker only plays one way. And when you are at the bottom where you are right now at 18th, and you are struggling to stay in this league, you should have a, a second way to play, a more aggressive style, but he does not. He has gone with what he has done since he's been at Fulham. And um, I think a change is necessary, not a change in manager, but I'm asking him to try a different way, try a more aggressive approach, and he hasn't. And we are seeing the results of it because Fulham want to win a match 1-0, get lucky, nick a goal like they did today, and hold on for dear life. And it didn't work out. It didn't work out twice. You know, again, they, the Wolves match, they, again, they're playing a match where they need all three points. And again, very conservative. It, it was just trying a hope that you will score that one goal to beat Wolves. And then you get sucker punched at the end there. You get sucker punched again here. So it's been, it's been difficult. But do I think that they have a chance? Mathematically, yes. But beyond that, no. They're down. I'm treating it like it is. But there's a part of me that oh, that knows that there's still an opportunity. But, um, you know, it's funny because uh, you're going to go to Jamie next. And I don't give Fulham uh, a prayer of beating Burnley because they don't know how to beat Burnley. They played Burnley several times. They, don't, they have no clue on how to beat Burnley. Scott Parker doesn't know how to beat Burnley, and they need to beat Burnley. So for me, that's another reason why they're going to be where they are. Burnley are going to be safe. I know it's six points. They have nothing to worry about because Fulham cannot beat Burnley. Yeah, we'll certainly see how that result goes. Um, we talked about managers a little bit earlier, and you, you've now a second yep. time mentioned Scott Parker in the same breath as uh, Chris Wilder there. And, and before the show, you mentioned a lot of fans maybe not holding your view that Scott Parker should hold the job. But regardless of people's opinions, right. do you think that Scott Parker is manager of Fulham Football Club, regardless of which league you're in come match week one next year? Oh, I, I, I absolutely do. And uh, I, I the cons have, you know, again, I'm, I'm going by their actions, the way that they've supported him. And I think they're all in on Scott Parker. I think Scott Parker is going to be the manager of Fulham. I, I'm, dare I say, unless there's a full collapse when they're in the championship, as long as he wants because they believe in him. So he will, he will be the full manager unless he wants to leave. That's the way I'm looking at it. And, uh, and I happen to like Scott Parker, and I think Scott Parker has a lot of promise as a manager. But there's also been talk about that Tottenham might come in for him someday, and I'll go right back to you, Kevin. If you think that you have issues with Marino, I can't imagine what the Tottenham <laughs> supporters would think of Scott Parker. I'm just going to say it, because yeah. he's more negative than Mourinho is. Honestly, and I can't imagine how they would react to Scott Parker. I've seen the talk. Oh, yeah, sure. Young manager, bring him into Tottenham someday. Oh, boy, would that, in my opinion, that would be a mess because he does not fit the way that Spurs and Spurs fans want. But I happen to like him as a manager. I just hope at some point he learns from all this and finds that other side, a more aggressive side, because right now he is very conservative. He treats Fulham the way he played as a player, which is great. But there are times where I think you need to be aggressive and he won't do it. Yeah, both of them, as you said before, want to get a one-goal lead and then just right. sit and on just it hold for 80 minutes. Life. Yeah, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't think Tottenham fans would want that. Although uh, the the narrative, like you said, is that Tottenham are kind of just keeping an eye on his career um, long-term, obviously, after his a few very impactful years in midfield there with Modric and Vandervaart. All right, uh, Jamie, we'll come to you now to talk about Burnley. Um we talked about Sheffield United not having the year they expected. I think certainly the same can be said for Burnley. We've talked about the inconsistencies of this season already, but I was just curious if up front things have gotten a little bit better uh, with Matty Vidra finally playing, finally scoring goals. If there's a bit more optimism that if nothing else, at least the attack is starting to find form a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, obviously, for a long time this season, we did struggle to score. Um, but we seem to have kind of accidentally struck upon the 
the partnership with Vidra and Chris Wood, which has has worked quite well. They've they've been setting up goals for each other. The partnership has been blossoming. I think it's quite raw still and needs time. But I think if you'd said to Burnley fans at the start of the season we were going to have Wood and Vidra as our as our main strike force, they'd probably think you'd gone mad because Vidra was fourth choice. There was constant speculation that he was going to leave the club. Um, he was worried about game time with the Euros coming up. He plays for Czech Republic, so he was worried he was going to lose his place in the squad. Um, and I don't think anyone would have been surprised if Vidra had gone. We just needed to sign a replacement and we couldn't. That's why Vidra was still at the club. But with injuries, he's finally got his chance. He's had a run in the team, which I think is always important for the players who are sort of getting a few minutes off the bench every now and again. You don't build any rhythm. You don't build any match fitness playing like that. Vidra has been, um, he was on the bench today, but he's had a run in the side before that. And you can tell that he's improved game on game. He's doing the job that Dash demands of him. He's leading the press from the front, um, which maybe he's not done in the past when he's played. So he's learning his role and the responsibilities. And I think that's been a big factor in our recent results and goals scoring has been less of an issue for us recently. It's been more goals conceding, which is quite unlike Burnley. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting time there uh, and could be moving forward. Uh, we were talking about Scott Parker as a potential managerial appointment. If Sean Dyche had been having a better season, he's one that allegedly Tottenham were interested at one point. You also have a couple of key players that I think are drawing a lot of interest, obviously Nick Pope and uh, James Tarkovsky. And I'm just curious if you think you can keep the band together one more year and maybe make some actual purchases to actually strengthen the team and see what he can do or if we're kind of reaching the end of this cycle. Actual purchases? Wow. Um, no, that's <laughs> probably not going to happen. Um, I, I think you're right that um, the squad needs a refresh. We've probably got one of the older squads in the league. Palace, I think, are up there. Um, they've got a lot of players out of contracts, so that's their opportunity to sort of refresh things. Um, I think Tarkovsky's the interesting one because he's made it quite clear he's not going to sign a new contract. He's only got one year left. So... Um, I'm sure there will be bids for him this summer as there were last summer. And we then have to decide if another year of James Tarkovsky playing with Ben Mee is worth missing out on however many millions we could get to sell him and then use that to finance the, the squad rebuild. Obviously, he would be hard to replace. He's been a really important player for the last few seasons. Um but I also kind of think that the dice system means that no one's irreplaceable. Um, so as, as much as I rate Tarkovsky, and I, I feel like he should have had more of a go with England in the last couple of years in particular when he's been very strong, um, I think Dice has shown that he can replace players when they move on. Like Tarkovsky came in when Michael Keane went and everyone thought that was going to be a disaster. So I wouldn't say I was too worried about it. I'm sure Dice has a plan. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's a big summer for the club. We've had the takeover. There's allegedly going to be more money to spend, although it's not possible that there could be less money to spend. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I think one sign that it's maybe not going to be a massive revolution was some of the new contracts that have been handed out, giving Phil Bardsley another year. I don't understand why we did that. It's going to be 36, 37 by the end of that contract. Um a couple of the others, I feel like we could have let go and tried to replace. So there's the signs for me that the new owners might be trying to do things on the cheap, like the old owners. But we just have to wait and see and give them a chance, I suppose. Gotcha. Well, good luck with all of that. Uh... It'll be interesting to see what Burnley look like come come kickoff of next season. Uh, all right, we will wrap up there. Uh, but if you guys would like to tell folks where they can find you or anything you're working on, now would be a good time. Uh, thank you for having me. My name is Thomas Nygren. I write about Liverpool for a website called lfcsv.se. And right now we have a few texts up about uh, the game against Leeds tomorrow. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Thomas Nygren. Hi, I'm Russ host of Carter's Talk, a podcast all about foam football club. You can follow me on Twitter at Russ underscore Goldman. You can also watch... Cottage Talk on YouTube, on the Cottage Talk Facebook page, and also on my own Twitter account, Russ underscore Goldman. 
Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Always a pleasure to be on the show. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at jsmithsport. Yeah, thanks, guys. My name is Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. You can find the show at EPL Roundtable on Twitter and on all of the podcasting apps as well. Uh, thanks so much for listening. And as I said, uh, all of these stories are kind of progressing, especially the European Super League one. So if this is already super out of date, we apologize and we'll try to get something out relatively soonish. But thanks again to you three for joining me today. It was an absolute pleasure. And folks at home, we hope you keep listening. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.